and welcome to the Creative Soul Podcast. I'm your host, Leah Van Doren, and in this podcast, I talk with some of the most creative and inspiring people that I know. From hearing about their process to what holds them back from creating, routines and rituals, to the intersection between creativity and spirituality, you'll hear from writers, actors, singers, dancers, musicians, painters, multi-passionate creatives, and anyone else who considers themselves a creative soul. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Creative Soul Podcast. I'm so excited to introduce my guest to you today, Anne Dittmeyer. So Anne is an American creative coach and workshop facilitator based in Paris, France. She pulls from her background in design, anthropology, art history, and global communication as she helps people write your own rules and map your path through fun, engaging experiences that encourage exploration and play. She's been blogging at Prêt à Voyager, which means ready to travel, since 2007, where she explores the intersection of travel and design, as well as on her business blog at annedittmeyer.com. I originally met Anne through Creative Mornings, which is a global creative community, Um, and during the pandemic, they started hosting these things called field trips. And so I've taught my fridge poetry field trips, as well as my discover your next creative idea through list making workshop through these field trips. And I actually took one of Anne's field trips, which was called Make a Map, and we wrote maps on bananas, and it just unlocked this sense of play and exploration for me that really actually helped with my creativity. Um, I share a story in this episode about how I was trying to come up with ideas for the structure for Discover Your Creative Soul, which was my six-week creativity workshop that we just finished last week, and using her tool of map making and just this fun permission to play and not take things so seriously really unlocked something inside of me when I was feeling really stuck. So you'll hear in this episode a bit more about Anne and her work and how she really charted her own path and created her own path as a creative entrepreneur, how and why she moved to France and how she became French and creative constraints and how those can kind of help us keep us on track with our creativity. We talk about developing your own perspective and how blogging helped her develop her own perspective and really learning how to value yourself as a creator. And um, we talk a little bit more about her work style and how she's developed her work style as a creative entrepreneur and how it might look really different than you know, someone who has a typical nine to five and just the different kind of energies it takes to show up as a creative. And I love Anne and her work so much because she really inspires me as someone who has kind of paved the way for me in a sense. As I'm starting out my journey as a creative entrepreneur, I feel like I look to her as someone who's been doing it and who's done it. And so she gives me a lot of inspiration. And um, I love she talks about this idea of paying inspiration forward in in the context of sharing creative resources, which if you listen to this podcast, you know, we love creative resources. And so she gives us so many resources and just um, really encourage you to check out her work, her fun workshops and her newsletter where she shares a lot of creative resources. And I always find it inspiring to see what she's listening to and reading and all of those things. So without further ado, here is Anne Dittmeyer. Hi, Anne. Thank you so much for coming on the Creative Soul podcast. I am so happy to be here. 
Thank you. I'm so happy to have you here. So the first question I start with is what is currently fueling your creative soul? I am feeling incredibly grateful for this workshop and community I created called Mapping Your Path, which was kind of a quarantine experiment. And it just feels so amazing to have pulled all these incredible people together to be support and community. And I know you do run workshops in your practice as well. And just to kind of have this like creative outlet and support and celebrate each other's wins and kind of let it grow organically. And, you know, we're recording this about a year into the pandemic and just to know that this is something I launched as an experiment to begin with, and then to be able to find all this connection and support and bring people together. So I know that so much of that community is grateful for what I created, but I'm just as grateful for them. So it, it brings me life and every day there's some new surprise or some new win or, you know, something exciting that I've learned that really fuels me in ways I never expected. Oh, I love that. And yeah, that's something I was reflecting on too, of like community and how we've been able to create like intimate spaces on zoom, which feels like what, how, but it's, it's so possible. I think just when you have people that are like looking for that connection and like it's a two-way street of giving and receiving and like sharing in this like safe space yeah people underestimate community and they detest zoom but when zoom is used how it is in a lot of workplaces or every meeting defaults to a zoom you know there's a tweet the other day of like why is it a why isn't it a call like why is it automatically a zoom and a friend called me yesterday and she's like we're just gonna have an audio conversation but I I joke that I'm kind of like the Zoom master now. I love it. I love using breakout rooms. You know, it can be really dynamic in a way to connect. And I use Slack as well. But I think it's, we can have this old model of what community is and what it looks like. But these tools can be used in fun and creative ways for sure. Mm, Yeah, I love that. I'd love to hear a little bit about like how you got started, what you do, because you do so many different things. And I feel like you've built this business for yourself for the past 10 years. And it's just amazing to kind of hear like everyone's journey. And I'm sure you have a lot to share. So where, where did it all get started for you? And, and how's it going? This can be long, but lately lately I've really been embracing this idea that it's an evolution because Mm. I know a lot of people are in transition or want something though new or the pandemic has really showed them that they are not happy with what they have and they want something more. And I think so many people are determined to figure out what it is and to get it right. But I prefer to look at it as an evolution and how each experience along the way really informs you. So I think the first key moment was when I studied abroad in Paris in 2001. My classes were in my professor's homes. We went out into the city to like, we would look at slides about French gardens or art history, and then we'd go see it in the real world. So that very much taught me the city is the classroom. My undergraduate degrees are in anthropology and art history. Mm. At the time, everybody's like, what are you going to do with that? And there's so much judgment around it and talk about not valuing your work and the arts and culture. But then later I realized that, you know, anthropology really links a lot to my design thinking and user experience design in a way that didn't really exist when I was in school. So I had to build that bridge later. My first master's degree is in public uh, publications design. So essentially graphic design. 
Hmm. and then a second one in global communications. And so it's, it's a mix of all these different things and building skills. And I do not think that you need all the degrees to have qualifications, but that for me, they were my permission to pivot and change. So basically I come at everything through the lens of design. And so that kind of started with the art history. Like I loved learning for me, history seemed boring and overwhelming and a lot of dates just because it was taught through textbooks. And that's for me, not the best way to learn. It doesn't bring history alive. It doesn't cause us to ask questions. We just accept it. Everything is the truth. And so the art history side, which, you know, that visual communication and everything and linking into design and like graphic design became something that was tangible or recognizable for people. So I didn't know that there were these careers that didn't have definitions. I didn't even know these different careers existed. So I couldn't be something that I didn't know existed. (laughs) And so over time, I've kind of created my own thing. And so add on to it that I live in France. I've been here for 11 years now. After grad school, I learned in grad school, yeah, what I learned in grad school, but I also learned that I like the flexibility of my own schedule and doing my own thing. And so that freedom and trying to, to combine what I was doing with everything. I realized that graphic design, I had friends who were super talented at making logos and doing illustration and like that, I like to use those skills, but it wasn't what I wanted to do professionally. So that's where the experimentation really happened. I talk about creative constraints a lot in my work and it's those limitations that you can complain about or do something about. And Tina of Swiss Miss talks about that a lot, but creative constraints of France, I had the right to work, except for being salaried. So I didn't want any salaried positions except for teaching. And Mm -hmm. so I couldn't teach at a university just because of taxes. It's complicated, but France is bureaucratic, administrative, as so many people know. And so really, I was forced to be creative in what I did have. So doing design for like some smaller clients, and then started giving tours of Paris, but not tours in like a stereotypical touristy way, but experiences. So that linked back to my study abroad and over time kind of evolving that. And then I got into teaching online through Skillshare and then through open classrooms and developing online courses. And I realized I was, what I loved about my tours was having that one-on-one connection with people and Mm -hmm. having these courses where it's online. I share the information, it gets received people may or may not post in the forums. So I think all of that informed the latest iteration, which is, you know, doing more workshops and creative facilitation. So every step along the way was important and it all adds up. And I learned a lot through each experience. So Mm. maybe in a nutshell, (laughs) they're they're different pieces, but it's hard to just say what I do because it all weaves in but embracing this idea of a portfolio career and having income streams that come from different places just to allow me to try different things and, you know, learn to increase the value on the things that I really like doing. Oh, yeah. I love the way that you explain that of like, like you said before, just the evolution of it all and that like each step of the way was important. And so like to, to present to someone like, oh, this is what I do. I, I, I have that come up in my work too. It's like, well, I ha- it's like, you want to explain the journey of it because it's like, it all mattered and it all informs how you do the next thing. And so I wonder for you, because it's such an unusual path, like what did you do when you experienced self-doubt or like 
dealing with the bureaucracy of France and, and those creative constraints and like, how do you keep going when it, when it gets rough or when you feel like maybe I should just quit and move back to America and get like a corporate job or if you've had those moments. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it presented as self-doubt, but it made me question a lot. You know, we, so many people wanna have everything figured out to know all the answers. But I actually think that being slightly naive and <laughs> living in France mm -hmm. helped me. I do think it helped that I had professional experience before I did grad school. And I think the fact that I'd lived in France before and I spoke French definitely helped. But I think the fact that I didn't know just how hard it was going to be to stay in France, like the career counselor, my grad school professors are like, no, you can't stay here. Like nobody's like managed to stay here after school. Like you're not an EU citizen, da, da, da. I ended up, I wasn't ever looking to get any master's degrees by the way, but <laughs> they just <laughs> fell into me and it was, they you know, up. <laughs> yeah, for me, I was like this master's in global communications. I told a friend about, it and she's like, oh, this is like the Ann Dittmeyer master's in global communications. I was the only designer in the program, but I was able to see how it can com combine what I had from my blog, which is another piece that I've had since 2007 and like let it all come to life. But anyway, so France, yeah, people will email me often and say, I wanna to come to France, how do I live there? And the rules have all changed, so it's different. And sometimes I'm maybe too honest <laughs> and saying it's really hard, but I think because I was just like, well, I have to keep going. Okay, that's mm. not gonna work, I'm gonna keep going. So it's that persistence, mm. that and diligence and not really accepting no, or just trying another thing. Or, you know, after grad school, I'd written a thesis. And then I had to write a 50 page business plan in French to stay in France. I was naive and thought that was going to get me a three year visa. It got me three months and I had to renew every three months. And so like I survived bureaucracy by writing funny stories in my head. And I wish I would have written more of them down and I stopped blogging some of it because as I was becoming French, I didn't want to be like turned away. But when I did become French, like four and a half years ago, I think like all my friends were like, whoa, I did it the hardest way. I didn't marry in. I didn't get sponsored by a company. I did it by starting my own business. And I was never taught how to have a business. So I just had to learn. And so mm -hmm. I would go to the geeky accounting classes and I would go and learn these different things. So some of it was being naive. Some of it was just figuring out anything I didn't know and doing my best. And I obviously was driven, but I was, I did not ever have the, oh, I love Paris. It's my dream to live in Paris. My friend Jenny always says, Anne, I know you love France, but you love a challenge. So mm -hmm. I think that kind of obstacle and challenge element there but I honestly don't think I would be doing the creative work that I'm doing if I was in the U.S. because when everything is available and easy you make excuses or you don't do it but I ended up giving tours I ended up teaching on Skillshare I ended up just working in a way that I wouldn't have considered because so much of what I knew in my life before France was a nine-to-five job or 8.30 to 5.30 in my case mm -hmm. <laughs> And so, yeah, this, oh so there are other ways. Yeah, that's, I was going to ask like why France, but I think that makes sense of like, if you're someone who works well within those creative constraints and like giving yourself that challenge and just the distinction of if you're in the U S you might not go after your dreams because it does take a lot of 
work and self-driven like um, motivation and yeah motivation yeah. and it's like it's all on you and that's that's really hard to do and there's so many dis- different distractions and to take like the more easy more comfortable route but that kind of kills and stifles our creativity yeah and i think i also i like having this insider outsider perspective because it becomes a game because you learn about yourself being in a different context I've like mundane conversations with French friends about how little water they drink. And they're like, oh, oh, that's an interesting observation. And so to have this view and I can be equally critical of both cultures, equally praiseworthy of both and can see, again, they're different ways of doing everything. And I think living in a different place and working by different rules and being okay with things, being less efficient (laughs) and learning patience that way. But yeah, it it becomes, I like to see it as a game, not in, you know, playful way, but just to to keep myself sane and amused and make the most of it because no matter what you do and how perfect you are or try to do, things are going to go wrong along the way. So it's just to make the most of it and keep going. Yeah, that's a great perspective. I'd love to talk about your blog because you started it in 2007. And so what was kind of the impetus for starting it and how has it evolved in the many iterations? Because you're still keeping up today, which I think is so cool to continue to do that and continue to like write. And I think having a blog, this is kind of me going on a tangent, but like having a, because I started a blog a few years ago and it was kind of just for me, just to write and just to, you know, get my thoughts out there. And it's like, now it's such this beautiful living archive of like where I've been and it can be such a record of like the journey you've been on. And so I'm wondering if you have that ex- same experience or what that is for you. Yeah, a hundred percent. I have gone in and out of blogging over the years, more diligent about it than others. So many posts I'm grateful to have. There's so many other experiences I wish I would have had, but mm. I, there are moments in time where I talked myself out of it or so-and-so just posted about that. So I can't. And I told myself stories instead of realizing that we're sharing it from our own perspective. I really see my blog and Instagram to some extent as well as my playground and ideas and database and resources. So I have it so I can go back and find that book or find whatever. But I started it in 2007. I remember I, I was working for architects in Baltimore and on our softball team, (laughs) you know, just for fun, somebody mentioned, oh, there's this blog. And I was like, what is a blog? (laughs) And they told me about Design Sponge, which I would go on to be the first ever Design Sponge intern and then contributing editor. And I worked for the site for six years, which was very much an industry leader, one of the first ones, but there were all these other design blogs. And during my day job, which I'm not designed for day jobs, they kept me sane, so inspired. I would refresh every few hours. Ooh, it's a new post there. So I really saw this community. And again, blogging was different then than it is now. And it was so supportive. In Somebody was featured on a blog and their sales would go through the roof. And mm-hmm. just to see what people were doing, it was less about copying. And it was more about really celebrating the work, particularly of independent designers and creators. And so I saw this opportunity for community, I love the idea of travel. Travel is always something that I've done. It's in my blood, passionate about. And again, it's not necessarily what the guidebook is doing, but through my own lens. Mm. But then I was like, oh, I can't do that because so-and-so is already doing mini guides. And again, but then I found this way to go in. But finally, I was like, I just need to start this. And it didn't have an end goal. Again, so many people start something to do this so I can be a bestseller, be be 
it just became this, let's see what happens. And it became this way for me to put ideas out into the world and see what inspired me. So I started on Bastille Day 2007. So ironically, French holiday. I honestly think I planted the seeds for me to come to Paris by having my blog. So wow. it's always been about the intersection of travel and design, but also France and Paris. I think my first post might have been about my favorite movie, Amélie Poulain, French movie that's in the neighbor took place in the neighborhood I live in now. And so ironically, in the beginning, I posted every day, wow. which again, blog posts very different at that time than, you know, it was one image, a little text, and it wasn't necessarily an original image, but I was able to share resources or people doing cool things and yeah, eventually I started a column called Boarding Pass, which looked at creative ways people traveled and recorded their memories. So sometimes mm -hmm. it was illustrations and drawings or what do you take pictures of? And it took forever to do, but I loved it. And so many of those people I featured on my blog are friends now, or they've gone on to do amazing things. And it really was about community and supporting and sharing other people's work. I think where I became a complex was being like, oh, this isn't worth it. I feel bad. They're not getting very much traffic from me because I don't have big numbers. So mm. it was, it didn't matter. And people were honored to be featured, but then, you know, the bigger the name you're intimidated, but so many people said yes. And if they didn't say yes, it wasn't because they didn't want to, they might've been too busy, but yeah. So over time, I just, you know, I have like well over a thousand posts. Then I came for grad school and ironically in grad school, I had all the flexibility and time, but I really tanked on posting, but that's when Twitter started and mm. eventually Instagram and in Paris, the blogger community really found each other on Twitter first before Instagram and expats particularly connect that way. Mm. So it evolved and I really didn't post that much in grad school. And that's when every blog started to all look the same in my book. Mm. And again, I was not appreciating that I had my own perspective or was sharing the experience through my own lens. So if I could go back in time and tell myself that, I would. But now I do it more and more, but it's really those things that, you know, jump out at me or I feel like fiery and I want to like record a moment. I've written about the pandemic a few times just to have the French perspective, because I think that global international perspective is really important as well. But blogging overall has been a way to practice my writing, practice sharing, connecting ideas literally and through links. And, you know, a lot of times it's my own ideas. A lot of times it's sharing something else or just an experience to let people travel vicariously as well. I realize I've been very fortunate to travel as much as I have. And if I can help people travel in that way. So yeah, so that's Prêt de Voyager, which means ready to travel. Mm. And then I also started blogging on antitmeyer.com, which is more my business blog and those lessons I wish I have learned in business. So one way or the other, I like to just keep those muscles going. And I do think for trying to get work, it's really great just to, it shows your work ethic by being able to keep it up. And honestly, my first eight years of my business, everything came through Prêt de Voyager. I, I didn't put myself out there. I didn't have to pitch anything. Great opportunities came and it was never about traffic. It was never about metrics, but it was just being able to be found. Mm. Yeah. That's such a cool thing to like have this thing that's gone with you throughout the many like ups and downs of the journey and like the, how you started it with, you know, not focusing on that product, but really focusing on the creative process of it. And I think that's when like 
our projects are most successful, either whether or not they're like outwardly successful or not. But like, that's what leads you to your life work when you start those things of like, just for the joy and the discovery of it. And like, just for being in the process of it. And so I'm curious now, like with the way that content producing and everything has changed with social media and like everything in our world, what is your, like, how do you deal with kind of like producing content as a creator? Do you feel a pressure to produce content? And like, is it, has it kind of lost that sense of like, creativity and love getting lost in like all the things that we have to deal with. I'm going to say that I work very organically and it's not necessarily the best way, but I do not have a content calendar. I do not structure anything. I'm like, Ooh, that could be a post and I do it. Hmm. The problem is sometimes if I put it off too long, I'll forget about it or it won't happen. During the pandemic, I started uh, doing something called London Writers Hour. And so it's a small group in London. Now it's hundreds of writers multiple times a day who join Zoom calls just to write. It's totally free, writershour.com. I know Matt Trinetti, who's one of uh, the founders of it. He and Parl started it and have created this thing. So I'm an original member. I've co-hosted several times with them as well. But it's just this place to show up every day. It's at 9 a.m. Paris, 8 a.m. in London. And then they do it again, different time zones. And so showing up every morning for 50 focus minutes of writing, I'm able to write a lot more and not every session is great. I started a newsletter a couple years ago, knowing that I wanted to nurture my business instead of doing work for other people's businesses all the mm-hmm. time. And so making that weekly has been such a good structure to get those ideas out. So I was trying to get one post on Pret Voyager, one on andditmeyer.com and one in my newsletter. I have slowed down. I can't keep up with all the content that I read. You know, people can't. But in my newsletter, I really try to share something I'm watching, reading, and listening each week. So it's paying for that forward that inspiration. You know, I learned so much from people's newsletters. They have that as well. So it's not very structured at all. I, you know, have launch periods before I launch new offers and I should be better, but we can say should all the time. But I do what excites me and brings mm-hmm. me alive. If I feel like something's a chore, do I really need to be doing that and sharing that? I don't know. At the same time, the hardest thing for me is I'll write something, but I have to remember to share it and promote it. And just because you put it online once doesn't mean people are going to see it. So that's where I can play small, I think. Mm. But, you know, it's like when the more you produce, the more you've put out there. So I'm trying to dial back and just really pay attention to what I put out there. Mm, Thank you for sharing that. I think it's so helpful to hear because I'm the same way of like, that kind of structure of like pressuring yourself to produce like X amount of content, like that doesn't work for me. It's like, it has to come from that like lit up inspired place. And then from that place, you know, I want to share it, but it's just so helpful to hear someone else's perspective on it because I feel like most often creatives are that way of like, you know, we want to, you know, we get lit up by something we want to share it. And then it's like to go through kind of not the, yeah, the structures of like the way that it works to share online and to like make sure that your work is seen. And it makes me think you posted recently um, this like pie chart of what your work day looks like. And that was so helpful for me to see. And like, I, I'm sure for many other creatives and business owners to see of what a creative business owner's day looks like, because it looks very different than the typical nine to five. And what I was struck by was like, 
the amount, like a big piece of the pie chart was time for percolating. So time for walking and swimming. And like, that is vital for us as creatives. And like, if we're just on our computers all day, we're not going to get the juices flowing. And so for you, what have, I mean, you've talked about it a little bit, but like, what have those practices been for you and like figuring out your style of the workday? Yeah. Well, first off, I think people project onto me a whole lot about mm-hmm. what they think I'm doing and how much I do. And it looks like I'm producing a lot, but I'm like, it really feels like I'm not. And last week, full disclosure, I feel like I work two to three hours a day and people are like, well, it's just passing week. And I was like, well, I can, like I created this business so I can work differently if I want, but also in order to produce that work and be efficient, it means I'm listening to podcasts, which, so I love going for a podcast walk every day and soaking something in and so many people have their list they go through I'm like what do I feel like today I I literally need you know different days different moods different projects I'm like oh I need to hear this right now oh I just saw this came out like what's what's got me excited so walking is so key and Paris is beautiful so I I do have that I mean at the same time I wish I had more nature and more trees and so I will walk everywhere i love public transportation, but lately since the pandemic, I walk everywhere because I don't have anywhere else to be. And it just, that physical movement, like I'm into neuroscience and those connections and synapses are working as well. So that connection, I haven't been able to swim since October. So that's really sad because the pool's been closed. And I, it's something a few years ago, I did a project where I went to all 39 different public pools in Paris and swam in them. Oh my so gosh. giving myself projects is also like a fun way to see the city, have different experiences, <laughs> say I did something and I wish I would have blogged that more, but I didn't. So again, oh, I should have done that. And I thought it would be a big project afterwards. Good intentions don't always happen. But yeah, for me, I realized this percolation period, and that's my favorite word. I'm not even a big coffee drinker, but just letting things settle and ruminate. And I think we talk about waiting for inspiration. And so for so long, I thought I needed, I have to be in the mood to write. And in the early years of my business, my, I was really productive from like 10 PM to 2 AM, which I was never a night owl like that. But then I've learned to add a few more constraints, like showing up at writer's hour or having my walk just to get things done within those parameters and then those times. So I try to have a a really solid morning. So if the afternoon is crap, it doesn't matter. But to not feel guilty if I go for a walk with a friend or if I step away. But we have this tendency to think the more you work, the better you are. That's very American. And being in front of the computer and early in my business, Like I made myself sick and I was working all the time, but I'm like, what was I actually doing? Because I was making way less money back then (laughs) and I'm not sure what was actually coming out. So I'd rather have a couple productive hours and the rest reading, settling in. I try to have reading time every day now. It's great. Mm. Yeah. It's just such a cool way to like craft your own working style. And like, yes, we're so addicted to like the busyness and the productivity thinking that we're going to be productive if we work 10 hours a day or like the more, I guess in our American mentality, we think like, well, the more hours I put in, the more money I make when as creatives, I don't think that's necessarily true because the work we do requires such a different type of energy. And like you showing up for an hour, teaching a workshop requires a way different energy than like sitting at your computer doing like data all day. 
And in that one hour, you can accomplish or make way more money than you could working 10 hours doing that. And not to say that any one of them is better than the other, but it just requires as a creative, like a total, totally different way to show up and to like restructure our workday. So we have those times for rest, for deep work, for play and all of the things in between. Completely. For me, so much of my journey recently has been learning to value myself and the time because, oh, it's only an hour workshop, but I've developed these Zoom facilitation skills or I've read a million books and spent hours listening to podcasts and collecting this. And, you know, my superpower is combining these ideas in creative ways. Mm. And so it's being able to really find that value. And it's been amazing to realize that, wow, my biggest earnings can come from my own programs that I run versus even going to a corporate workshop or working for corporates. And so that's like a, oh, whoa but it is also not easy. You also have to learn to sell. You have to own it. It's exhausting in a different way, but I don't know that combined with hearing so many friends who work in full-time jobs, hearing about their work environments. It's so toxic. The pandemic has heightened everything and, you know, pandemic or not, I think the way that people work and burn out is very problematic and not sustainable. So I think there's larger conversations. So part of my work as a creative is to kind of help pull people out of those ways of working and doing and just have them ask questions and see there are other ways of working and doing things. And you can create work that is not even just as good, but often better when you allow a little bit more space into your life. Yeah, that's definitely something I'm learning as well in like my entrepreneurial journey of like giving myself permission to have time to percolate, like, like you were saying and valuing that, like you taking all that time, the time that you spend listening to podcasts or reading, like that is valuable time. And when you can share something that you learned from the thing that you read, not everyone's going to have all the time to read all the books that you read or even want to, but like having that one piece of advice that you then learn from it and then shared with others. It's like, those are those little ripples that I think are so cool and just like to really value the things that you're interested in and the thing that you like to spend time doing because it matters and it can create these ripple effects. Yeah. And so I'd love if you could talk about your making a map workshop because I took your workshop through creative mornings and it was just, it was such a cool way to think about like writing and and ideas. And I was at the time working on a new workshop and I was having trouble like figuring out the structure of it. And I'm a very like thinking writer based person. So I was trying to like write it out and I was getting really stuck. And then I had taken your workshop in the morning and I was like, wait a second, maybe I'll just make a map and like make this visual. And I don't consider myself a visual artist at at all, but I made a little map and it was like, suddenly all the ideas came together. And it was just, I was like, this is such a cool like thing to put in my creative toolkit to use when you're like ideating or whatever that is. So will you talk a little bit about like where that inspiration came from and what you do in the workshop and things you've learned? First off, I love that story and it's so great. And this is like when you do workshops online, but even in person, you don't always hear the stories on the other side, but, and sometimes it takes time to sink in. So early in the pandemic, Creative Mornings, which is a free series of talks around the world for anybody who doesn't know it, started doing these virtual field trips. So I've known Tina Roth Eisenberg who runs Swiss Smiths for years. And she had reached out to me to do a field trip as something they were trying. And I was like, okay. And then 
So I like to reinvent the wheel way too much. And I was like, no, Anne, what can I do? And so my most popular class that had this huge community was on Skillshare was about map design and map making. It's still there. It's like seven years old. It's low fidelity, but people still love it. It's great. And so I was like, hmm, people really like maps. This seems like a great thing to do and try. And in that class, there's a guy named Phil Francis who did his hand-drawn map on a banana. And I was like, huh, that's a great idea. And he drew his commute while on a commute on a banana with a big ballpoint pen. And everybody in that class just liked it. And they're so, it, it just created the spirit. And like you said, you're not necessarily a visual artist or can draw. And I'm a designer by trade, but I can't draw. So I have that like complex. But in my world, everybody's creative, everybody's an artist, and it doesn't matter if it looks like it, but it's just to get out of our heads and give people permission to do things differently. And I'm a big fan of pen, paper, markers, bananas, whatever it might be. So Tina had given me permission. She's like, Anne, don't be afraid to have fun with it. I was like, well, I was going to have people draw maps on bananas. <laughs> She's like, go for it. And I didn't expect for her and the whole Creative Mornings team to be there. And they had a blast, everybody did. And I've done it a few times and we'll probably be running it a couple more times this year. But yeah, it's a great way to connect with people and it's such a global audience. Mm. So it's so fun to have people all over the world. And especially when you're drawing maps is you know using the chat and asking where people are. But it's something I do with corporates as well. And I started making people draw on bananas. And I was like, I know it sounds weird. And I was like, you can bring a clementine or a lemon or anything if it doesn't. But just getting people working in a totally different way that feels silly. And I'm giving permission to be silly because we think that work has to look like work. Like school has programmed us to take all that fun, creative elementary preschool stuff that we did where we were fearless and creative and didn't judge ourselves. And it's put these, this is the right answer. No, it's for the test. It's for this. And life isn't a test. It's not an exam. It's like constantly changing and anything we've learned, we have to learn to adapt more than anything. So I really try to embody that in the workshops and get people to think differently, give them prompts, like in your workshop with lists, you know, coming up with it and just thinking in different ways. And yeah. And people want to know exactly what to do. And I, keep some level of specificity and some level of vagueness and the prompts can change where whoever I'm working with, but I'm just like, just see what happens. Mm-hmm. And so for you too, to realize you can go back and use that tool and make those dots and connecting it is amazing. I mean, I started journaling during lockdown a year ago for the first time. And it's how I really uncover what's going to, how my, how I want my workshops to feel, what the flow is going to be, what to cut out, because it's so easy to add more, 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 but the challenge is adding less. So yeah, it's just this really, the workshops were really just this great way to get people to try something new and have some fun and explore. Mm, Yeah, I love the way that you described that and just like giving people permission to be silly because sometimes all we need is that like that reminder of like, oh yeah, it doesn't have to look one way. There is no right way. I can kind of let go. And that's when like the most beautiful of discoveries are made. And I love that you mentioned you've been journaling and like you're finding the discovery in journaling because that's something that has been really like a major practice for me and in really seeing what happens of like Mm -hmm. starting to write and not knowing what I'm going to write about, but like 
uncovering as the process unfolds. And so I think that's so cool. And how has that um, unfolded? Because now you do a three-month workshop called Mapping Your Path. And so how has that informed that workshop? And what kind of, what do you do with your participants in that workshop? Yeah, so there's banana mapping every time I run Mapping Your Path. That's, you know, my signature style and move now. But I run it normally as a series of monthly live workshops that people can join live or catch the replay and an office hour call, which is one more skill and building on that because I, I feel like we don't have enough reflection in our life. So building time to reflect and then there's connection in the Slack community in between. So it's a three month program. The first time I did it was into the new year and I'll run it again this fall. So being able to kind of map out what you want out of the year to come, but also the first month, every time I run it is kind of looking back to give us perspective. So I have a bunch of different tools and I build each workshop a little bit depending on the community, but seeing what some of the needs are, where people are stuck. So I can switch up a prompt or notice the vibe. And then we connect on like small group calls in between. So it's the most fun I've had. It's the thing I'm most proud of. It was terrifying for me to launch. I worked with my coach and she was like, no, 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 Anne, do this. And I was like, but I felt this itch and I felt this urge and I launched it in October for the first time. And I, I created it two weeks before I launched it. So again, we can think we need to have all this thing, everything figured out and get it perfect. So I allowed it to be imperfect, but I also have all this life experience leading up to it. I realized I looked at every workshop that I've invested in over the time, over the years, formats, and so many are so many bonuses and so many extras. I was like, no, I need to pare back and just give people what they want. Mm -hmm. And I want to be connected. I want to know the participants. So many people who lead are just, you know, hands off. You can talk to other, you know, I can't think of the right word to describe them. But anyway, so I love being directly connected to the participants and supporting them on their journey. But it also takes a lot of vulnerability and openness for people to, you know, ask questions or admit, not admit things, but just talk through blocks. And, you know, I love the group aspect of it because you realize that, oh, oh, I'm not the only one who thinks that way. Or like, oh, mm. I never thought that. Or like, I'm so glad you said that because that reminded me I need to do this or I want to do this or different things. So, and it's all through like mapping and exploration. So it's, I like to say it's, you know, you get to be a kid a little bit again, but it's, it's really deep. It's, it's deep in its own way. And I've seen people have these incredible transformations and, you know, journey to figuring out their new job and the next step. Mm. And so just to do that in companionship with other people is so key. Mm, it's so beautiful. And to hear that, and then also like kind of reflect back on you facilitating an experience and how you've had experience facilitating experiences in Paris as a tour guide and like you kind of figuring out your signature style along the way and like what you do best. And I truly believe like the, the deeper that we get to know ourselves and they give us give ourselves permission to like embrace those unique aspects of ourselves, then that's what kind of like is that magic key ingredient that then you see impacts, you know, your community and like facilitating and fostering this intimate community online is not an easy thing to do and not everyone can do it. And, but I feel like that's part of your superpowers too. So it's just so cool to like, yeah, just, just hear how you've created that and how you've given yourself permission to really create that. Yeah. And I will say two things. 
I'm very much an active participant in the workshop. So I'm not like, I'm the master who knows everything. You lemmings do this. I'm sharing every rawness that's coming out of my explorations and, you know, being like asking my questions as well and sharing, you know, my exercises because there's no right way or wrong way. And I always give people permission to like take it for what it is, but I love to hear from you and to mm -hmm. share what it is. And the second thing in what you just said reminded me of the mantra for my blog is travel's not about where you go, but how you see the world. Mm. So when I did grad school in Paris, I rebranded my blog and that tagline came out. And so I see it all the time on the header of my blog, but it's going back to these things that we know and we so easily forget because we get pulled by different forces or you know, a different comment or somebody said, or you should do this, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's like, what do you really want? So mapping your path has, is very much the result of mapping my own journey and looking for my strengths and you know, doing these exercises and taking the time to explore and work on myself as well and realizing what my strengths are and, you know, my connective powers and creativity, because I think so often we can think that things that come naturally to you, like, oh, that's nothing, it's a don't undervalue it. So I'm like, wait, that's what I need to be valued for most because this is really what I bring. I'm able to kind of see this global look and, you know, connect these different dots. Mm, yeah, and that, uh, again, like bringing it back to this valuing your work and like valuing yourself because, it matters. And like what you bring to the table, that's what someone else needs. And so it's just really cool to see you doing that in your work. And something we talk about a bit on this podcast is like this intersection of creativity and spirituality. And so I'm curious for you and your work, like where has that intersection lived? Like, how do you find the intersection if anything, but what do kind of like those practices or that connection look like for you? Um, I'm going to say that the spirituality side is much newer to me than a lot of people, I think, on the journey. But that's where in discovering your work and seeing how you work, I, I love that bridge. And I love when people connect <laughs> two different things and bring it to life. I, a couple of years ago, went on a retreat in Avignon um, called Antakara, and it was working, walking through space. It's the first time I learned about somatics and listening to the body. And I was like, oh, after grad school, my tongue turned, or no, I had a huge migraine and sitting crick in the neck, you know, my body shut down. Another time my tongue turned white from stress and different things. I'm like learning to listen to these different things. The pandemic actually opened up the most for me in journaling and um, starting to do meditation every morning. I've got also thanks to creative mornings, I really got into manifesting because of these like free workshops I attended and just opening my eyes and noticing that so many things that I judged in the past, it's because I was kind of trained to judge that, but it's like, let me just step back and see and, you know, find what works for me. And for me, manifesting, it can sound like, whoo, but it's also just finding your worth and your authentic self is really all that it is. So you can bring your best self forward and do the work you were meant to do. So yeah, it's been a little bit of that. I really enjoy the work of um, Dr. Tara Swart, who is a neuroscientist. So seeing how the brain is connected to actually show us how we can rewire these pathways has been really interesting. And also it was like Christmas Eve, two years ago, I reached out to a therapist and that therapist has also been really great for my own journey. And so she's very into energy and also this neuroscience side. So to, you know, realize I have these strengths, but to have to like kind of rewire these pathways and undo some of these stories I've told myself. So a whole combination of things 
Brene Brown's work. It's not totally spiritual, but I think it it links in and kind of bridges a lot of it for me. Mm. Yeah, I love that. And it's just like, again, these like cultivating these tools of self-awareness or just more tools that we put in our toolkit of like things that will help us along the path. And you kind of said this at the beginning of like, sharing and spreading, spreading forward that inspiration, which something I love sharing on this podcast is creative resources and like sharing the things that you're excited about right now and the content you're consuming or whatever it is that you're reading, you're listening to. And so are there anything that you would like to share with our listeners? I am obsessed with Priya Parker's book, The Art of Gathering. Yes. <laughs> I was going to mention the book earlier because I also saw that you read it in 2020 and I read it like a month ago and I was, yeah, it just speaks so much to like the work that we both do. And I, I love that. Yes. That you mentioned. Yeah. It. And for anybody who doesn't know her, like her, her background is in conflict resolution and it's a book about how to make gatherings more meaningful and purposeful. And I ran a baby shower. I had my 40th birthday, like all these things, what I could dread before, but I found ways to make them fun. They've totally influenced all my workshops and just how you enter and leave a room. She did a podcast called Together Apart for the New York Times. She had to totally pivot when the pandemic hit to make it about taking events online because gathering became very grim (laughs) after that. So translating these ideas. So she has been a huge, huge influence for me. Really love Brene Brown's Unlocking Us and Dare to Lead is super interesting. I've been reading about stoicism (laughs) is my Mm. latest thing. So I just read The Obstacle is the Way. Mm. Um, I've really loved biographies by Black women, including Elaine Wethelroth, who was the youngest editor of Teen Vogue. And her story is incredible. So more than enough is that book. So yeah, I constantly have a million things. I have my weekly newsletter, Connect the Dots, where I share those forward. And I share them on Instagram a lot too. But I consume a lot. But I really try to have a lot of different perspectives and making sure that I diversify. I used to read, read a lot of white men books, I realized. And mm-hmm. like, no, it's time to, to change that and get different perspectives. And it's been so empowering to my own work. And again, seeing that there are different paths and journeys and what we learn along the way. Yeah, I also find that so inspiring. So thank you for sharing that. And can I share one more thing? Sorry. Please, we love all the resources. Uh, which we kind of talked about it with the pie chart earlier, but Adobe's blog, 99U, it's a blog for people with creative careers. It's no longer adding new content, but I, had, I was fortunate to write six articles for them. And I wrote one on diversified incomes. And so that's kind of where I got the mm. idea for the pie chart, but it's an incredible resource all of their articles. I'm so sad it's not live anymore, but for anybody with a creative career, go to 99u.com. And it's just, yeah, I'm like, oh my God. Oh, I need to find the comparable because, and it was such an honor to, to write for them too. It was like one of my goals. And wow. so that's again, where my blog became a business card and made it easier for me to, you know, write for an outlet like that. Oh my gosh. That's so cool. I'll definitely check that out. And I think it's just so cool. Like yeah, just this idea of like sharing the wealth of resources and like what lights you up might spark something in someone else. And that led to your blog. And like, you just never know what will impact someone. And I think it's just such a, like a cool reflection of people uh, of what they're interested in, like what kind of content they like to consume. So I just think that's really cool. And lastly, what, like, what is next for you? What is your, like, this is kind of a big question, but like, what is your, I don't know. What are you excited about next? I'm not going to lie. It's kind of hard to look 
far ahead, but I'm excited to launch an accountability group of my workshop, Mapping Your Path, for this summer and then running again in the fall. And so <laughs> it sounds selfish and self-serving, but I'm it's legit what's keeping me going because I don't know when I can travel next or do anything. And I'm excited to keep reading more books. I have a couple book projects that I need to be working on. I'm trying to talk to 100 people who knew my grandfather and kind of relook at what leadership was. Oh and gosh. so that that project's kind of been on the back burner, but trying to take some more time off of social media to like make sure I'm nurturing my own projects. So there are these seeds that have been planted for a long time, made excuses like everybody else to not do things. But, and I have my write your own rules workshop, which I'm also like toying with a book. So we'll see what happens just to take things in different formats and mm. experiment. So, yeah. Oh my gosh. That's so cool. Thank you for that. And where can people find you? We'll link everything that you've mentioned in the show notes as well. And is where my workshops and business blog lives and means ready to travel is my travel blog and I'm on Instagram and Twitter there and yeah and I'm my weekly newsletter so everything's yeah. always linked there <laughs> oh my gosh well thank you so much and you're just someone who inspires me and as like someone who's kind of been going on the journey and starting out the journey finding people like you to really admire and look up to and like you've charted the path that I can now follow. So just thank you for sharing because you impact me and my work so much. So thank you well, so much. It goes both ways. And honestly, like before the call, I told you, I had signed up for your Creative Mornings field trip on Monday, not even realizing you were the same person doing it. And it was just magical and seeing what you're doing because what I created, I was like, nobody else is doing it. So it's always scary. And to, you know, we can both be doing things in parallel worlds and in different and bring richness and it's not competition. It's all about support. And it's just magical to see what different people are doing and how we can inspire other people. So thank you for your podcast and all your work. And it's just as inspiring to me. Thank you. Thank you for saying that. And it totally, it's like comes back to the, the value that each person brings because of the experience and perspective that they have. So I love that that was kind of the theme of everything we talked about. It all comes for a full circle. <laughs> it does. Thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed that episode and thank you so much for listening. If you like this episode, please feel free to share it with a friend and tell them what inspired you. Or if you'd be so kind, you can rate and review the podcast. And when you do, I would love to gift you my free guided writing meditation that will connect you to your creativity, yourself, and your spirituality. Just go on over to my Instagram at Leah Van Doren. That's L-E-Y-A-V-A-N-D-O-R-E-N and send me a screenshot of your review and I will send over the meditation and I would love to hear your thoughts. Stay inspired, stay creative, and keep shining your creative soul.